I think so. You got the best of me. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Today we are weeks into a series where we are looking at the prayer towards transformation being taken part in our lives. Uh, we would love for you to consider praying for this transformation in our church. We'd love for you to actually even consider praying for this kind of transformation to be in members and gatherers of our community. We'd love for you to consider praying for people by name. Right? If you don't know anybody, that's fair, that's fine. But I bet you, if you ask somebody, can I pray for you that God will move and shape you more and more into the image of Christ? They'd say, oh, I'm open to that. And they say, I'd also like to know your name so I can pray for you by name. You can go ahead and do that. But, you know, just make it awkward, say that Pastor Brad said it's fine. I'm open to that. I'll take the blame. I've done enough things to be blamed for in my life. That's one more I'll take. It's, it's something that's quite interesting is when we pray for people, when we are actually engaging deeply on behalf of others, God moves. Amen. We have to believe that. We've seen this actually in the series over this year. Is when we pray, God is eager to listen. God is eager to be active. And so that's why we are engaging with this prayer for transformation. It's not just about having a sermon series to talk about. It's actually that we want to see God's kingdom come in our own lives. And so over the year, we've seen God engaging with families as we've been praying. We've seen God engaging with unity as we pray. And I would love for us to look back at this series and forget every word I've said, but know that God answered our prayers to see him formed in our lives. That's what I would love. You know, also, if you want to quote me, I think it's great. That's good for my ego. But it, really the goal in all of this is that we live into the transformation that God has for us. That we all are on a journey of becoming more and more the mature follower of Jesus. And that's what God wants for us. So I'm going to pray that as we start today for, for us, for you. Because God's heart is that for you. Heavenly Father, we seek to be transformed. Lord, you have the plan, you have the direction, you know all of our failures, our faults, all the spots that we don't reflect you perfectly. And you love us. You love us so much. Lord, we ask that you move today, that you embrace each one of us along our path of growing to know you more and more. Shape us, Lord. Guide us, Lord. Impart your image more and more that we can glorify you in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we are. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. So today we are looking at another spiritual discipline. Uh, today we are looking at the discipline of meditation. The act of thinking on something. We can mistake meditation as like an Eastern spirituality thing. Or we can mistake it as like the upper elite echelon of of our faith are the ones that really meditate. And we can do that and overcomplicate it. Or we can paint it in such a way that it doesn't have an opportunity to be part of our regular life habit or rhythm. That's something that won't form our lives because it's something for somebody else in some other way, in some other category that is more inclined than I am. We can do that with meditation. We can, it's a longer word. It could be scary. It could be like all the things that you picture of what it is and isn't 
and all those reasons be why you don't practice it. But here we have an opportunity, once again, to name a discipline, a practice that can allow us to grow by trying it, by applying it imperfectly, but every little step that we intentionally make towards God, God is running towards us. And so here we have is this, this practice of meditation. And if you are new or if you have a memory like mine, we have a, a metaphor that we've been using over the series of tuning a guitar. That's why this series is called Tuning Practices. And so we have a guitar. And you know that I'm not playing it because I'm not a worship leader. But I can do this part imperfectly, but working on it, right? The, the picture here is that as we do these tuning practices, these, these moments of disciplines, we come more and more in line with who God has made us to be in light of Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, and empowerment of the Spirit in our lives. That every time we sit down and clunkily work through a discipline, we get to see how this week, this day, this moment has actually taken us out of line with who God has actually made us to be. And then it's a practice where we continue aligning ourselves with the true image of who Christ is in our life. And so I'm going to do this again because discipline doesn't mean you do it once, right? That means you tried something. Discipline is a continual practice over and over and over. And I know for a fact I'm not impressing anybody with my tuning song, right? Uh, like, it's annoying. But once again, the tuning of a guitar, the tuning of a piano, the tuning of an instrument allows for all that is beautiful that comes after. And so that's why these disciplines are offered up to you in our community, to you as followers of Jesus, as an opportunity to create more beauty in your life as you live out the kingdom of God, because God deeply wants to do that in you and through you. And so I would love for you to be reflecting on what is God trying to bring into your life today as I tune a guitar. Tuning practice is slow, it's methodical, and it highlights the things where you're off. And that may be why many of us don't like engaging with it. But here we look at meditation, to think on things, as a practice. And in our culture, we're actually specifically very good at meditation. Does that sound believable? Do you, do you get it? Do you think so? We're, culturally, we are the most anxious ever. We worry about so many things. We've got news channels just to help us worry well. right? We, we have the ability to meditate. But worry and anxiety are actually just meditation on things that aren't really life-giving. Right? Meditation is holding something in your mind and working it over, the angles, the directions, the things that it might be implying in your life or might be trying to take from your life if you're worried or anxious about it, right? Meditation can be a practice of life-giving, 
It can also be a practice of life giving. Because worry and anxiety are things that just take it from you. If you have experienced anxiety to any kind of level, you understand just how much can come out of all these thoughts that are in your head. All these thoughts of things swirling around. But if you know that truth, if you know that reality, you may actually be more inclined to actually understand the value of meditation. Right? If, if worry and anxiety can have such an impact on your health, on your lifestyle, on your relationships, on everything, imagine what meditation can do when you focus on God, his word, his direction for your life, the things that he wants to bless and live through you. If worry and anxiety can be so disruptive in your life, imagine the life-giving ability it also has for you to grow, to change, to develop new habits, to shape your character, to impact relationships, just by thinking about what you're thinking about, positive or negative. And so our entire series is out of Romans 12, 1 to 2, which I will read for you. I encourage you to get out a Bible, get out an app, and follow along, because that is also a discipline to engage in Scripture. And so I will read this passage, but I would love for you to join me there, Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's our series hanger, the the verse we're coming back to over and over and over and over. I think we're almost at this over. And we have like three or four more overs of visiting the scripture passage. And once again, like the practice of discipline, it's not always new. It's not always fresh. It's not always something that you have to engage. It's way, way out there. You're chasing down. It could be sitting presently to the word of God. And so today, the other passage we're going to be looking at it is in Psalm, so it's in the middle of the Bible if you want to open up there. Psalm 1, 1, 2, and 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delights in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither, whatever they do prospers. As we look at meditation, I propose, along with many Christians in church history, and I believe many in the future will also agree with, that reflection on scripture is one of the primary ways that we get to understand who God is as God's people. That as we spend time reflecting on his word and of who he is, we come more and more in tune with who he wants us to be, and that we understand who he is, as we are on that journey. So that's basically the premise, is that as we are engaged in scripture, reflecting, pondering, engaging deeper and deeper, we understand more about ourselves, wherever we are in our journey, and more about God. So today, I would love for us to take Psalm 1, 1 to 3, and we're going to work backwards, just because who doesn't like mixing things up? Right? Anybody excited about that? Yeah, all right, there's some excitement now. Okay, 
yeah, we're, we're doing it, so I don't really, we're not taking, this isn't democracy at this moment, we're not voting on this, this is what I have written, so we're going this way, stick with me, please. All right, Psalm 1 has a purpose, and the goal is to, for us to engage with it and ponder its way. And it says, whatever they do prospers. Here's all your objections, prosperity. Okay, fine, yes, yes, yes. When we talk about prosperity, we don't just mean money. Right, that's actually us being conformed to the patterns of our capitalistic culture that has been discipling us over years to think everything is about a dollar figure. Your time is worth how much? Your house is worth how much? Everything you do is worth how much? Who cares? I, I know it matters, I get it. But prosperity is so much more than money. Right, money is a thing, it's not everything. It says whatever they do prospers. But here's our next challenge. Well, I've done good things. I've spent time reading the Bible. I've loved people. But not everything I do prospered me. Sorry, what was the last line? Me. All of my experience didn't prosper me. And so here, once again, we come into this idea of our culture. It's all individual focused. What do I get? What do I want? How do I get something? And God loves you. But it's not all about you. When it looks at the prosperity and everything comes from this, it's also for the culture around, the people sitting closest, the, the ones that are, if you know the scripture, that can glean from your field that you've left your bountiful harvest for. Right? It's much larger than just you. There's an economic blessing. There's a, a social blessing. There's a political blessing. There's a spiritual blessing. There's all kinds of things that prosper as we spend time with God and his word and grow in flourishing life. To say that prosperity is about myself and money is not wrong. It's like saying Disneyland is about a mouse. Right? Yeah, it's, it's true. There's a mouse at Disneyland and it's like a big part of it, sure. But there's so much more at Disneyland than a mouse. Just focusing on one aspect deeply doesn't allow us to catch all that God is doing. And so I would love for us as we continue to work through this is to kind of hold these slimy words of prosperity, which could be money and could be your own personal development, prosperity kind of thing. Hold them because they're not untrue. They're just not completely it. And so as we look at prosperity, a looser meaning, uh, looking at the Hebrews, even range, semantic range, is to advance, to prosper, to make progress, to succeed, to be profitable. Growth. Right? So these slippery, slippery elements in hand, let's, let's continue into this passage further. Because God wants things to advance. God wants to see growth and vitality. God wants to see all these things, and it's from those who delight in his law and meditate on it. Right? It's not like a mantra or a spell that changes the world, but it's actually as we are engaged with God that it spills. It flows out. It advances as we continue into this passage, we see whose leaves do not wither. A person who delights in the law and meditates on it, their life is sustained. Right? I, I have killed enough plants in my house to know the imagery of withering plants. I get that. Anybody else get the withering plants? Yeah, you, you basically bring them home to slowly let them die, and then you go get more. That's just what happens. But here in Scripture, it talks about the non-withering effect of like when you pour into it and you give it nutrients and it actually doesn't just die, it grows. 
that God wants to put nutrients into our lives. And that nutrients comes from Scripture, comes from His presence, comes from engaging Him in what He has done. This actually fits well with last week, oddly enough, with John 15, where he points to that we can do nothing apart from God, that it's sustaining life, that anything that's cut off won't live. We see that this entire story seems to be fitting with what God wants to do in creation, to live out his kingdom. Right? The word became flesh so that we can have life and life full. That's a John 1.20 and John 10.10 mashup. It's a story of God in creation. God is the author, the giver, the perfecter, the sustainer of life. His word, given space in our heart and our minds and our beings, given practice, brings us into harmony with him. And if that is who God is, and we're in harmony with God in the way he wants to live out his kingdom on earth, it spills, it flows, it shapes. Life prospers. Continuing in this passage, we see a tree that yields its fruit in season. Harvest friends know that. There's seasons to fruit, absolutely. When you go to a tree that's not in fruit harvesting season, don't be surprised, no apples, middle of winter, I don't get it. Right? There's seasons. But once again, the goal of the, the harvest is for fruit. And that's what we see in John 15 again, we were sharing last week, is that the branches bear much fruit when they are connected, when they are with Jesus, abiding Now here's another one that's challenging of our individualism. When we hear fruit in our lives, we think, what do we get? An apple tree doesn't get overly excited about eating apples, right? I've never seen an apple tree eat an apple. I've seen my son eat like 42 apples. We went to Apple Land. He just devoured like just like the bit of them too. Not the whole thing anymore. That was much better. But like the apples on a tree are not for the apple tree. The fruit in our lives aren't just for ourselves. It's actually for those around us. It's the harvest to bring life and vitality and God's kingdom around us as we produce fruit in our lives. And so that might be a good opportunity for us to pause here as a community because I want to name things as we go. Is that as a community, we can't be here gathering online or in person, wherever, thinking about what do I get out of everything, right? You being here is good for you, I believe. You can argue with me later, send me an email if you don't want to talk to me, that's great. But part of the journey of following Jesus is life together where we share fruit amongst each other. The harvest is plentiful and we don't just have to eat our own apples and deal with our own problems and deal with all the things that come from our own life. That's part of it we actually get to share and bless others. And over the years now I've been here, and specifically of late, there's, there's a, a challenge in our community I want to name. Is that we aren't as available to one another as we could be. And it's becoming a bit of a thing in some people's stories where you show up to a gathering. Because church is not a building. We have one. Church is a has a service, it's not a service, it's a body of believers. You show up to a gathering of the church and you look around and you don't see any of your friends. Some have moved on, some are not here, maybe they'll be here next week, we don't know. But the rhythm here actually hinders life and vitality, is that you show up next week and your friend's not here. Or 
following week, you don't come because your friend wasn't there. They show up looking for you, and, and we miss each other. We miss the opportunity to bear fruit in each other's lives. I want to name that because I think there's so much better for us. Not out of guilt and shame. Like, I understand life rhythms, and we're all working out of a massive shift in our culture. But I would love for us to consider, as a community, as, as brothers and sisters, how can I be present for others to hear the story of God in my life, to get some of the fruit from my time in Scripture? Not because I'm going to be preaching, but because I'm going to be present. And that is actually an opportunity for us as a church to continually be making ourselves more present to one another. And if a rhythm doesn't work for every Sunday, every other Sunday, once a month kind of thing, whatever rhythm you find, making the extra effort then to be present to one another's life. Because God wants us to bear fruit. And the fruit isn't for us. The fruit is for others. And so I want to encourage you to consider making a change. For those that are here every Sunday, it's absolutely awesome. You are a blessing and a gift to our entire community, to be a bedrock person that we know we'll see and be loved and can love and care and connect with. So I just want to encourage you to, to feel that out as another discipline, not being imposed. You don't have to be here, but being offered for your formation, for your growth, for your life, and for others, for their growth, for their life, for their development. How did we get here? Fruit is not just for us. And so carrying on, we look at this. What is, what is this all driving to? How do we get to these kind of fruit things of life, prosperity, not the slippery ones, but the fuller picture of prosperity, fruit? All these things come out of being a tree by a river, being still, reaching, and absorbing. Right? This brings us back to meditation. Is that we have the ability to connect with God, and that connection with him allows for things to prosper. That's for things to experience a life that God wants to pour into us through his presence, through his word. And all the things that flow out are byproducts of being present as a tree is to water. The one who delights in the law of the Lord, the one who meditates on his law day and night. Meditation is sitting and soaking in God's word. It's allowing it to work its way through your mind, like anxiety or worry. You know that well, but in a beautiful, life-giving way. Seeing the angles it might apply to your drive to work. The angles it might apply to your frustrated drive back from work. The moments that it works into each grain section of our day. The other challenge with meditation is we live in a culture that is very quick. Super quick. Like, get on with it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have scrolling with seven-second ads where we can like, comment, and move on. And then we have God. Our digital approach to life and speed will not, will not get us there. Having a thing pop up once a day for you to swipe away will not form you. It might help. It's a, a, a step forward, but a pop-up with a scripture verse that you get half of isn't going to be like a river in a tree. Did any of you notice a sign on Ottawa Street on your way in today? Anybody notice the sign? On a post? Do we have posts on Ottawa Street? 
right? Like, okay, we know we got trees on all this. Like, what is actually on that street that we just drove down? Right, well, you're blowing past on your way in. All right, there's a cop with us today. So you're blowing past at one kilometer per hour over the speed limit. I think that's 50 kilometers. Is it 50 kilometers or 60? 50. 50. We so we noticed that sign out there, right? When we go that fast through life, we miss things. There's something that we can't quite picture. And as we slow down, we start to notice things differently, more fully, but we don't go as fast. We don't get to where we want to be going, but maybe there's something in being present to the word of God, right? We can read things to get things done. We can read things as a discipline, and I think we all know what that's like, is just to get things through. Like, being honest, in our community group this last year, I, I had so much reading to do, I was more getting through things than getting them into my own life. Like, I, I have to get this in because I have to do this and this and this, and I got to preach on Sunday. They're going to want to hear something, right? You can just spend so much time rushing through things that doesn't form you, it doesn't shape you, it doesn't become anything in you. Uh, A.W. Tozer in uh, A Man of God, he writes, you can know the right words yet never be changed. This is the difference between information and transformation. Right? Consumption is not transformation. Right? We can consume a whole lot of things, but does it shape us more and more into the image of Christ? Right? Transformation will actually come as we sit with the Bible and let it read us. As we allow more accurately the Spirit of God to search us through the words on the page. Uh, my professor in her, uh, hermeneutics, uh, Dr. Barker, years ago, would say, every time you open the Bible, you come face to face with God. And sometimes, we're present to him. Right? We can blow past God, getting whatever we needed to do for whatever reason, whatever thing. And that is still a discipline to just open a Bible. I get that. But the true transformation that we are after, at least in this series and hopefully in our lives, is a transformation that comes from sitting down and being present to God as he is present to us. Approaching our faith as fast food will not get us healthy. You know that about fast food. It doesn't make you healthy. It fills you, but it, it doesn't make you healthy. And we want to be healthy followers of Jesus here. And so meditation is thinking things over. Finding scripture, reading it, embracing it, allowing it to embrace you. And so today, I don't want to just tell you about doing this right? Because that's information. That's not transformation. And so I would love to do a little practice with you guys where we read scripture, where we allow it to speak to us to whatever way God wants it to, not the way I want it to even. Within this, it's a, a, a thing called a rhema word, which is a word for you. It's from the text, and it will never, never, never violate God's direction in larger scripture. It will be within those boundaries. But today, as we read scripture, I would love for you to listen with an open heart and say, God, what, what do you want to say? Is there a word, a picture, an image that stands out from this passage for you today? For maybe for you this week? Maybe this month? Like, I'm not rushing the pace here. There's a, a tradition called Lecto Divina, where it's a slow reading. Our men's Bible listening, which meets regularly on Zoom every week, they engage in basically the same practice where they, they read something 
They read it again. They make note of what stood out. They read it again. And then they share what stood out to them. And so today, I'd love for you to open a Bible, an app, whatever. We are going to Psalm 119. The whole thing. No, I'm kidding. Don't worry. Like, I see the clock. If you, if you don't know that, Psalm 119 is a pretty large passage or chapter. It's, it's not where we're at. We're going Psalm 119, 25 to 32. I will read it first. And I would love for you to identify if a word stands out to you. Then, I would love for us to read it together, which would be chunky and awkward, more like me playing guitar. But there's something beautiful in that. And then I'd love to create a moment where you can just read it to yourself, in your head, in your heart. And then I would love for you to listen to the prayer as I invite God to bring that into our week. If you want to sit here and stay after this time together to mull it deeper, go ahead. If you want to rush off, go ahead. If you want to make a note to come back to it later in the week, go ahead. It's about freedom in our practice as we want to continually come into harmony with who God has made us to be in light of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So here is the passage. Verse 25. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I gave an account of my ways, and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Cause me to understand your way of your precepts, that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. We'll read it again together. If you're willing, if you want to just mutter it quietly, go ahead. Whatever you're comfortable with for this next step. And as we do this, listen. Is there a, a phrase or a word that stands a little bit out to you? Verse 25, I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I have given an account of my ways that you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts, that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. Take a moment to read through again for yourself, whether in your heart, in your head, out loud if you desire.
Father, if you are speaking to us today, help us listen. If there's a word that you have given to one of us, to some of us, let us lean in. Lord, if we are sitting here today and we wanted to hear from you and we don't, Lord, we ask that you graciously move. Lord, we want to know you. We want to experience your love. We want to be a tree by the river, absorbing nutrients for our life, for our souls, but also to bear fruit for others, to know your kingdom as it comes here to earth. Lord, help us ponder Draw us to yourself. Ignite a passion in our hearts for your word. Help our hearts be a soil where you can plant, where you can grow life in us. Lord, we are here. We are open. Help us be open. Help us be present. We do not come before you by works of ourselves. We come because you have beckoned us. You've called us. You've made a way. May we follow you in that way. Holy Spirit, lead us this week. Draw our minds to your ways, to your path. May you be our delight. We pray this in your son's name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Well, community, that is a practice I encourage for this week. Find time to be in the Word, to be shaped and present to God as He wants to be present to you. Blessings, and I'll see you next week.